Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, Serie A fan and strap-in Roma fans. The honeymoon is over and the Mourinho roller coaster is just getting started. In other unprecedented news, Juve thrill neutrals with a fourth 1-0 win in a row as they prepare to face Inter in the Derby d'Italia. We'll discuss that, Milan and Atalanta's European woes, and lots more in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. It's uh, again just Boaz and myself this week. Thankfully you should be able to to hear me a little bit better because uh, back at base with all of the, the required equipment. Oscar is still unfortunately training with the with the youth team at the moment as he tries to force through a move, a rumored rumored move to, to England. But yes, thankfully it's uh, Boaz Sachs who is still with me this week. Boaz in Tel Aviv, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Kenny. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not bad at all. A uh, bit sad to to come back to Scotland uh, to to winter from uh, the sort of 28 degrees and sunshine that, that I had last week in, in Lisbon. But uh, other than that, all good. Uh, have you got yourself a beer this week, Boaz? Yeah, I have a Malka Pale Ale, which is uh, one of the big indie breweries here. And it's a good beer, so I'm looking forward to it. And I also have a small anecdote that I have to tell on this pod. The other, the other day I was walking in my neighborhood and there was a really strange looking gentleman in down one of the streets and uh, he didn't have his shirt on, he had no shoes and he was leaning awkwardly against a, a, a post smoking a cigarette or who knows what. And kind of, he gave me the creeps and I, I walked around him and as I got to the end of the road I saw this woman uh, pushing a pram with a baby of course and uh, I don't know what, what got into me, but I, I looked at her and I said, listen, he didn't say anything to me. He didn't do anything to me. But that guy over there gives me the creeps. I'd walk <laughs> around him if I were you. And she was. She said, who? Which man? And I said, the guy over there without the shirt. And she's like, oh, that's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Fit in mouth moment. But to be fair, the woman didn't seem at all surprised by the, the <laughs> suggestion that her husband looked like a, the, the husband gave a, the creep. So maybe she's Tremendous. used to it. Tremendous stuff. Excellent. Nice one. Well, yes, uh, I just uh, just for, for my part, I have no, no fun stories really to, to tell. But I do have a, I've just got, as Oscar referred to it once, the reliable center back today, uh, Brewdog Dead Pony Club. Uh, session IPA, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be familiar with, so uh, cracking that open and uh, yeah, I think those are finally av- they've finally arrived here now, so uh, perhaps I'll be cracking one of those soon as well. Yeah, I recommend it. I recommend it. It's good for for a light a light session. Uh, anyway, let's get cracking with the the football. There's uh, so much to to speak about. We're 
back into full swing, uh, obviously with uh, the games last weekend and European action this midweek and we've already as we record already had two games in Serie A this weekend we've got the the midweek round fixtures next week I personally want to start by speaking about Roma losing 6-1 to to Norway's Bodo Glimt and in particular I want to I I want to get your takes on uh, Mourinho's reaction to this Boaz first of all I mean did you actually watch the game I have to hold my hands up and say I only managed to catch the the highlights but it looked pretty dreadful how about yourself I also saw the highlights although in Roman's case you could call them lowlights <laughs> yes indeed uh and Mourinho's meltdown what's your take on that perhaps you should describe it a little bit as well for those those few people in the world who haven't seen it yet so first of all, it strikes me that this is a match that we probably wouldn't cover normally. Um, it's a fairly unknown opposition. Uh, some may argue they were an extra in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, and, <laughs> and I mean, the reason I'm familiar with the club or a lot of Milanisti are familiar with the club is because uh, Milan signed uh, Haug from them one and a half seasons ago. So uh, And they played some great football against Milan back then, but... This result is a, is a shock and it, it comes in a week where um, Mourinho met McGregor and uh, they took some pictures together with a Roma shirt, which uh, with hindsight after McGregor went out and uh, beat up some local Italian B-level celebs, it, it wasn't the best photo op for Mourinho. And uh, yeah. of course, uh, Roma also lost the match against Juventus. We probably will get onto that, but you did expect some sort of a reaction from this um, European match. And instead, uh, first of all, Mourinho's uh, team selection was questionable to say the least but then for him to go and blame this team selection for this uh, catastrophic yeah. loss is a little bit uh, laughable his actual reaction Kenny I, I mean I'm happy for you to to quote, paraphrase him in this one yeah well I mean he, he just basically said I think he, he implied that uh, Roma needed to spend some money and this is as someone pointed out on Twitter after they've spent a hundred close to 100 million euros or something this this summer uh he said the difference is the they have the better players um their first 11 has better players than our second 11 uh and basically just ended up yeah just uh, i think as, as you uh, alluded to there just throwing the entire team under the bus and saying oh i realize that i can't depend on uh, any of these guys and the reporter asked him also the next game are you going to play your first your first 11 and he said Oh yeah, I don't really have a choice. Uh, it just yeah, to, to me, it, it did stink of him completely throwing them under the bus, and really, really unfair, I think, because these are players who have will, have not had a huge amount of first team action for a while, and let alone that, but they're you know all playing together with with ten other players who are you know in the same situation. They too haven't haven't had uh, any first team action, so. I mean, yeah, to me, you can't just chuck a team together at the last minute who you haven't really given any, any time to uh, and then kind of hold it up as you know justification for why you didn't play them in the first place. But, um, but le- leaving yeah. aside the, the pitiful performance on the pitch, Roma are actively trying to sell some of these players and Mourinho d- destroying their, um, their reputations and kind of uh, cr- crushing their egos is doesn't really help on that matter and some of those guys like Kumbula and uh, yeah. uh, Diora were in the past considered at least very functional squad players if not um, potential stars for the future so um, it's very strange for Mourinho to be in a role for 
a month and a half, maybe two, and already being deciding that these guys are no good at all. I think um, regardless of who was out there, the manager needs to take the blame. And it also has to be said that the five subs that Mourinho did make, he brought on what he he called his first eleven, which is also slightly insulting to the players on the pitch. But and and Roma conceded four goals in that in that uh, period. So to blame to solely blame the players who were on the pitch is is a bit uh, facetious as well. To me, this shows that uh, Mourinho is slightly out of his depth, and uh, that yes, he can still play the mind games. He can still uh, he can still rile a, a, a team up, but when it comes to tactical play, a lot of the new teams are outrunning him, outthinking him. And uh, yeah. lastly, in the past, in the glory days of Mourinho, he would he would have placed himself between the, the media and the, and the players. He he never would have allowed for the players to be scapegoated. And now, at a few of his clubs, he, he has become the guy uh, doing the scapegoating. And this is the first time he, he, uh, Mourinho's side has ever conceded six goals. And if they continue to play like this, it won't be the last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Oscar predicted that it wouldn't be too long before the the kind of wheels came off the came off the wagon. Uh, and uh, this has the hallmarks of what's happened at a couple of his last clubs, really, hasn't it? But yeah, as you mentioned there, it uh, it comes after that 1-0 loss to, to Juve, in which, I mean, Roma, to be fair to them, were unlucky not to come away with a point from that. Obviously, the, the missed penalty, but quite a lot to, to talk about in this game. I know that you watched uh, you watched this one, Boaz. What did you make of it? As you said, Roma actually played a very decent game and probably were unlucky not to come away with perhaps even the, the three points. Uh this was a mm. classic Allegri Juve performance, one nil, very defensive, sitting very deep from right in the right in the first half, and uh, actually not not doing much to go forward, but defending the the result like their lives depended on it. And uh, there was a huge refereeing controversy in this game where yeah. um, uh, Mikatayan was brought down, and before the ball kind of bounced up to for uh, Abraham to score, but the referee had already whistled the penalty. Now, the referee was overheard telling Brian Cristante at, uh, after halftime that apparently he's not able to give uh, advantage when, when a penalty is given, which is a rule he literally made up on the spot. But he, he also sounded kind of arrogant by telling Cristante, hey, it's not my fault that you guys missed that penalty. I mean, honestly, the, he, it, it is unclear why he chose to whistle so early in this instance when in the past he wouldn't yes. have done that. And in general, in these uh, VAR times... We're kind of getting used to uh, officials taking their time with decisions. So a very odd one and a decision that ultimately obviously favored uh, Juventus of course. and uh, riled the the Roma fans up a lot. And Mourinho was again at it by saying that if he spoke, the things he would say would, would shock the world or something along <laughs> those ways uh, and something along those lines. So, I mean, I mean, it was a huge, huge mistake, though, wasn't it? I mean, it's not like it was. There was uh, much time between the, the the foul happening and the ball going in. I mean, we're talking about like what a second, two seconds. Like he didn't even. It's not like he needed to let the game play on for ages. It was. Some people are arguing that uh, Mikatayan touched it with his hand when he, as he was falling from the the foul. But again, um, like that that I think that's the kind of thing that could have been decided by VAR rather than um the the ref live and furthermore uh, it was an unintentional handball so i'm not sure how much that would have counted uh it has to be said on the the kind of playing devil's advocate that 
perhaps the Juventus uh, defenders wouldn't have been so uh, so stood on their spots had they not heard the whistle before, and maybe they would have done a little bit more to stop Abraham from scoring. But again, this is something we would have known if the ref hadn't whistled so early. And uh, he he has priors with Juventus, uh, unfortunately. So it's uh, it wasn't ideal. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not ideal uh, either for Roma. That next up, they've got an easy game against uh, Napoli to come this weekend. So yeah, they've not they've not been up to much this season. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And we will have to we will have to really kind of uh, give Napoli the time the time that they deserve in uh, in the coming weeks. I'm sure there'll be plenty plenty of time. But we're going to speak about this week's big big game. Uh, obviously, we've just spoken about the. The game between uh, Roma and Juve, but uh, for Juve this weekend it's Inter, so it's the the Derby d'Italia coming up, and that's on on Sunday, and it's going to be at a sold out San Siro. So, well, we say sold out, it's still seventy five percent capacity, but fifty six thousand tickets. That's going to be the highest crowd in Serie A since uh, yeah, since lockdown. Uh, but I, I guess a, a good a good place to start this discussion is the Juve coming to this off the back of winning six in a row, the last four of which have been 1-0. And uh, I, I, again, I noticed on, on Twitter uh, someone had picked up on Juve's social media team celebrating the last four 1-0 victories. Uh, it does seem like we're kind of getting back to seeing Allegri's Juve, doesn't it, Buzz? It's a classic Allegri, and uh, it it goes back to one of the statement, one of his famous statements, where he he was talking about racehorses and how uh, the way to win a, a, a race was to have a slightly longer nose than your opponent. And this is just uh, another uh, example of Juve ticking off these one nil victories in games where perhaps they weren't the best team, or at the very least, they didn't show the best uh, football. As as we mentioned earlier in the Roma game, they were very defensive, but. Um, when you have uh, a Europe, European champion defensive line, you can probably afford to be a little bit more defensive. I mean, perhaps I'm a little bit naive, but maybe defensive solidity is what Juventus needed, first of all, some stability. And now they can kind of expand and give um, some of their more creative players a little bit more free reign. Now, now that I've said that out loud, I've, I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous because Allegri is very, very <laughs> set in his ways. But it would be nice to see... The, this amazing defense and Chiesa and the likes and Kulosevsky and the likes yeah. kind of being set a little bit more free. Yeah. But if it gets results, who am I to complain? Uh, although I think I would I would prefer to lose and play well than to win 1-0 the way and play the way Juventus played, at least in midweek in Europe, where, to be honest, they should be smashing that kind of a position. Really? I mean, I, I kind of felt like it was a, a good away performance in Europe. I mean, yeah, it was... It was unspectacular. They left it late. Um, they they could have quite easily lost that game, but um, I mean, it was job done. Really tricky trip, if if you ask me. It's a fine line when you're you're playing badly but winning. It's there's a fine line between being very lucky and and being very good at being lucky, so to speak. Mm. As I said, I think these wins will definitely help Juventus mentally and. It kind of uh, enhances their siege mentality, but for me, it's uh, it's more of the same. I, I don't think this kind of football will win a Euro- uh, European Cup, and is, ultimately, is that not Juventus's goal? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a performance like that is uh, it might get you an away win in uh, Saint Petersburg, but it's not gonna 
get you anything out of a trip to Munich, for example. Uh, exactly. But yeah, we, we should just say that um, you, you spoke about sort of attacking Flair, hopefully, um, you know, being on the horizon for, for Juve. Uh, Dybala is actually on, on that front. Dybala is going to be back this weekend, but likely to, to be on the bench. And Rabio as well, obviously uh, back from after being out with coronavirus. So Juve beginning to approach full strength, if not at full strength uh, for, for uh, the week or two ahead. Uh, looking at Inter, they've had a bit more of a mixed week. Uh, obviously, the Lazio game we previewed it last week. Let's let's start with that. Uh, I mean, again, so much to talk about, so much drama. Uh, on paper, anyone who hadn't seen the game would say three-one, well beaten by Lazio. Uh, wasn't really that way though, was it? Was no, I think uh, this was a typical Simone Inzaghi performance, uh, as some Laziali would tell us. But uh, more t- essentially. Uh, Inter dominated for a good 60 minutes of this game and might have even got a second. But then um, they they conceded a silly penalty or I'd say an unlucky penalty. But, you know, they were, do- they were dominating, probably shouldn't have given that one away. And then there was the big incident that you were alluding to earlier where um, Di Marco fell over and uh, uh, Inter played on and had a shot yeah. that, uh, that uh, Pepe Reina stopped. And then uh, Lazio went down the other side and scored and... Uh, Inter was somehow incensed by this decision, but they they played yeah. on for a start. Absolutely. But also, as uh, Maurizio Sarri uh, wisely alluded to, th- these kind of discussions are only ever had in uh, in the Italian league. For a start, some of Inter's players should have definitely been sent off for manhandling and pushing uh, poor old uh, Felipe Anderson around. But uh, yeah, them freaks, that, I think, in particular. Yeah, so that being said, uh, Inter completely lost their heads at that point and uh, conceded yet another goal from a, a set piece that was pretty poorly defended. And I think this is uh, definitely at least one point dropped, if not three from Inter along the way. Um, but I think that uh, it should be par for course. They they have a, a new manager in the, in the role. It's, it's up and down. But what is yeah. quite worrying for me is that what we consider the, the best defense in Italy or at least individually, the best defense in in Italy have now conceded a lot of goals, and they they haven't seemed to got it together. Whereas last year, obviously, Conte built his uh, title winning side on uh, defensive and solidity and a, and a really strong midfield. So yeah. um, slight worries for Inter ahead of the Derby d'Italia, and yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Juve would were to win that one nil again. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you for a prediction uh, at the end because I know that this is uh, an Inter-Juve preview, but I think we do need to speak about uh, Luis Felipe and the the incident at the end of the the Inter-Lazio game. It's been quite a few days now, so there's been a lot said on it, but I don't think we can let the episode go by really without speaking about it. I mean, it was just glorious, wasn't it, Boaz? It just... uh... I I loved it. I I thought it was incredible shithousery and it had it had it had everything you needed because first of all there was him goading his his one of his best mates allegedly uh yeah. saying he he jumped on for those who haven't seen it he jumped on korea's back at the end of the 3-1 game and korea elbowed him and kind of punched him away and um then the referee correctly sent him off and and at this point he burst out into tears like yeah. what was he <laughs> That's what the thing was he expecting? 
That's the thing for me, and obviously the groveling apology afterwards. But the the bursting out into tears. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be. The, and we're not the sort of podcast really that are like as a man's game. Don't show your emotions, that sort of thing. But this is just about being an adult about things, really. I mean, he was behaving completely like a five year old in the playground. First of all, jumping on Korea's back, thinking <laughs> that that's an acceptable thing to do, and that's. You know, that Korea's going to just accept that and have a little joke with him. You know, how would the Inter fans react to that? And second of all, bursting into tears when his mate gets angry with him. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, just golden, really. Uh, but anyway, Inter, yeah, followed that up with a a good win at San Siro against Sheriff Tiraspol. So a bit of an up and down week for them. I mean, was this a, was this a good win? You know, when the draw was made, you would have said... The sheriff Tiraspol would be the the whipping boys of the group, but that I mean that hasn't proved to be the case. They sat on at the top of the group with six points, but I, nevertheless crucial for Inter to get the three points from this game because it kind of keeps them in touch with uh, Real Madrid as well. Uh, so I mean, did you actually get to watch this game? I know you were watching the the Milan game in in midweek. Did you did you have a chance to watch the the Inter game as well? I saw the highlights for this one and uh, I felt that. Inter were probably deserving of their three points, although Sheriff did make them sweat it a little bit. I think maybe Sheriff were a little... I mean, Inter were fortunate that Sheriff had uh, these previous two games where they, they played out of their skin and they really outshone their, their all their XG stats or expected everything was over. Like I think they, at Bernabeu, yeah. they had a 0.2 uh, XG and scored two goals. So very, yeah. very odd. And uh, ultimately, Inter were at least prepared for this and uh they got they got the job done which is the most important thing and i think uh qualification should now be quite a certainty with uh Shakhtar Donetsk losing the other game yeah 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 right uh so i mean we spoke very briefly about uh, Milan there i'm going to be slightly merciful with you this week Boaz because uh trying to trying to keep it to a reasonable a reasonable time that the episode but Milan obviously losing 1-0 to, to Porto. It's been, and we spoke about Inter's mixed week, it's been a mixed season for, for Milan. I mean, in Serie A, they're flying uh, seven wins and a draw in the Champions League. Uh, yeah, it's looking very, very, very worrying. I think you said in an earlier episode that Milan should consider doing an Inter and uh, crashing out of the Champions League and focusing on the on Serie A. Do you stand by that or are uh, you disappointed more than anything? I think when I was saying that, I was being a little bit, uh, I was being a little bit jokey and uh, I didn't expect it to, to come to this. But now the way the group is set up and the way the the league is set up, I, perhaps it would be best not to go off on some uh, European adventure in the mm. Europa League. I think uh, the top two spots are probably out of reach at this stage already. I think also I, I've overheard our good friend Milan Obsession say that Milan's finances would be able to, uh, they would survive even if Milan were not to make the, the Europa League in this case. So, I mean, th- there is nothing wrong with focusing on the league, particularly as Milan have this crazy injury crisis that uh, every week just there's more and more injuries and it's it's not clear when we will have a, a full squad. So to paraphrase myself from a few weeks ago, although I was speaking about another team, but Milan are really the a lion in the league and a kitten in the Champions League. Although if you look at performances alone, Milan probably deserved more with, from the games against uh, Liverpool and especially against Atletico at home. 
in this game against Porto, it it comes uh, after a game where Milan went down 2-0 to Verona and managed yeah. to win 3-2 incredibly. Yeah. But honestly, it wasn't a stellar performance. and uh, Or at least the first half was a very bad performance for Milan. And the same kind of performance uh, was transferred over to the Champions League where, let's let's face it, Porto were the better side. And although their goal did come from uh, what could be considered a foul, overall, they were much more deserving of the three points. And there were maybe other incidents where the ref was a little bit more lenient on Milan where there could have been another penalty. So, you know, sometimes it's, as we mentioned about Juventus earlier, sometimes it's uh, it's good to win or draw and play badly because it shows spirit but in this case yeah. I think it was a good wake-up call for Milan that, and as Ibrahimovic said it was the worst performance of the season so far and they really need to get their their stuff together as soon as possible yeah yeah uh, next up for for Milan obviously the game against uh, Bologna away this this weekend uh, well a, a bit more on that later because uh, I, th- I think we're gonna we're gonna reference uh, Mihailovic later on uh, but we've gone from speaking about uh, Milan's comeback win uh, from 2-0 down at halftime at home uh, unfortunately to kind of complete the Champions League roundup we've got to speak about uh, another match in which the the home side were 2-0 down at halftime and the the away side came ended up surrendering the lead and and losing 3-2 uh, Atalanta heartbreak in in Manchester really and I, I think uh, there, there has to be a big, uh, a big caveat to to this, uh, you know, narrative. The Atalanta went into this game already with a, a huge injury crisis, kind of, especially at the back. I mean, obviously, Gozens and Hatibor long term uh, injuries, uh, but Toloi and Jim City missing as well. Demiral obviously not fully fit. I mean, the number of times he clutched his hamstring, and he's going to be out this weekend as well. So, I mean, it it was a shame, really. It was uh, just a, a first half where uh, it was real, you know, heroic stuff from, from Atalanta up against it in terms of their, their personnel uh, and, you know, managing to, to pull out this uh, this 2-0 this lead. But I think, yeah, I, I think once uh, the, the game wore on, you know, I mean... I, one thing to be said as well, Derun starting at centre back. I mean, that just tells you uh, that that tells you the the, the state of uh, at that, you know, how depleted Atalanta's squad is. But yeah, I, I think once once Man United had kind of got back on level terms, you know how that script goes. Uh, but yeah, Boaz, you wanted to pick up on something that Antonio Percassi said. Yeah, this is a club owner, Antonio Percassi, who basically summarized this game by saying that United's. Uh, three changes that came on, the three subs, were worth more than uh, Atalanta's entire squad. So, I mean, that pretty much uh, sets up the David and Goliath moment that was Man United versus Atalanta. But having said that, um, you know, there comes a time when we need to stop speaking about Atalanta as this uh, as this uh, underdog, as this uh, almost uh, champion, as as this team that uh, is nearly there and not, because at some, at some point they will run out of steam and they'll have quote-unquote nothing to show for this great period and I think uh, Gasperini himself needs to find a way to kind of lock these games where he's leading 2-0 or the same with the game against PSG where they were knocked out I love his uh, his uh, concept of football I love the the offensive nature of it but maybe when you're away at Old Trafford and leading 2-0 maybe it's time to do what uh, 
my good friend Max Allegri does and set up two banks <laughs> of, uh, of four yeah. and, and hope that uh, you get away with it because uh, yeah. I mean the the current way isn't definitely is definitely not working so it's it's nice to come out of a game like this and get praised by the international media but it would be nice to come out with a point yeah I mean they nearly did make it 3-1 there was that double save by De Gea which uh, yeah I, I difficult to see Man United coming back really if they had after having got one back had gone down again but uh yeah anyway very very disappointing but uh you know positive I appreciate it I appreciate it's very harsh to criticize Atlanta for not beating Manchester United who are pretty much the richest club in the world but it I think it's slightly disappointed when when I was looking at the match updates and I saw that they were 2-0 up I was like wow they really could do this this time and yeah. uh it's a shame and it also uh, feeds this narrative of Ronaldo as this incredible game changer. But honestly, he, he was so anonymous for this game that yeah. it it kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I hope he gave his share to the rune this time. though. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, uh, next up for Atalanta, it's uh, Udinese at home. And that's not going to be an easy task, especially with so many players out. Uh, Udinese actually have quietly uh, put together a decent start to the campaign. Uh, sitting you know thereabouts in in mid table uh, but uh, yeah i think that that kind of concludes our uh, champions league roundup and and preview of the the games that this weekend but obviously as we mentioned at the top of the show we've had two games already uh, sampdoria beating spezia 2-1 and man of the match performance from candreva who was heavily involved in both goals uh, awarded the first one by uh, I think the Italian media at first but um, definitely no doubt about the second one um, I, I think in the end heavily involved rather than scoring both goals is probably probably fair uh, and I, yeah. I was telling you that I followed this game on uh, Eurosport and their in-match commentary seemed to uh, constantly change the role that Candreva plays in at <laughs> one point he was a fantasista then he was a trequartista then he was an ala then he was an esterno it's quite funny um, I think they need to get their uh, their copy on they need to decide yeah. what what he is and fix, stick to it <laughs> yeah I mean he was definitely uh, I, I definitely man of the match anyway for for me and Spezia actually in the second half did did all right you know they didn't really create that many openings I'm starting to worry for Spezia a little bit because they they don't they seem yeah. to do quite well and not not get the their full uh, points and that's going to weigh on them throughout yeah. the season yeah, they kept putting in good performances and having nothing to show for it at the end. But I mean, Samp definitely in the first half of the better team. So I, I think por- probably on paper, 2 one's probably a fair fair reflection. Uh, elsewhere in the early evening game this evening, Torino held on after leading 3-0 against, uh, against Genoa to, to win 3-2. Um, I didn't see that one myself, so don't, don't have much more to, to add on that. Uh, and the only other thing to, to add really on Serie A is that uh, in the other fixtures this weekend that we haven't touched on yet, Salernitana, Empoli and Sassuolo Venezia on Saturday and Verona Lazio and Fiorentina Cagliari on Sunday. And in the rest of the, the rest of the best of the rest uh, is <laughs> Salernitana have sacked Castori after well just one win in Serie A this season against uh, Genoa and sitting bottom of Serie A and just finally the Nazionale di Calcio Femminile beat Croatia that's the uh, Italian women's team 
beat Croatia 3-0 and now sit with nine points out of three games in qualifying for the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in 2023. Boaz, it's time for Keeping Up With The Italians. What have you got for us this week? This week we have uh, uh, European champion Jorginho stepping up and scoring two penalties and also um, seeming to f- leave or forget his uh, little hop before the penalties. So maybe that's a new technique, having missed a couple recently. I also have, uh, sticking in the UK, I have uh, former Italy Azzurini striker Diego Di Girolamo, who first scored a brace in the FA Cup tie uh, for Bucks and FC, taking them to a replay. And then he scored another brace in the replay, which made uh, Bucks, got Bucks and FC to the first round of the FA Cup for the first time in 60 years in their history. So good on him. Sticking yet again in England, we have Angelo Gbona, who scored uh, the only goal in West Ham's victory over West over Everton. And of course, West Ham are flying high. And Ogbona, some people uh, say he has a shout for the Azui squad, although I'm not sure where he would fit right now. But at some point, you'd imagine that Chiellini and Bonucci might not be there. I don't know. And in the Italian manager derby, uh, Carlo Ancelotti spanked uh, the Zerbi 5-0 with Real Madrid. No doubt that... Uh, we expected a little bit more from the Zerbi. I'm not saying he should have beaten Real Madrid, but the, this Champions League group has been uh, pretty tragic, although he says that he has a very young squad and therefore um, it, the league is their main target right now. And lastly, um, former Serie A stalwart and I believe played for Inter and uh, Napoli amongst other clubs, Francesco Moriero has become the manager of the Maldives, which seems like the best job in the world for me. Yeah. Yeah, sweet gig. Nothing from Turkey for us then this week, Boaz. I, I, I guess I could say that uh, our friend uh, Okaka scored a brace again in Turkey, but that's becoming there such a regular is. occurrence that, uh, <laughs> that I, I'm not sure I should mention. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of... Uh, I think we need, we need to jump further into Turkey because in my research, I've noticed that there's a lot of Italians in their second division as well. So managers, players, it's, uh, it's almost an, a, a third or fourth Italian league. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. More research to be done there. Uh, right, we're going to move on to the honorables and dishonorables section now, then, Boaz, and, unless you had any more to add on. Well, are we doing good Italians. week, bad week? Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, sorry. I, I don't think we've actually normally just letting uh, letting listeners in on a little bit of uh, how the magic works. We we normally discuss this before the episode. We haven't done that this time, so this is just going to be our. It's Oscar that drives this. That's, that's what we're missing him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe promote him from the youth team uh, next week. Who knows if he'll be back in time. I, let me pitch, uh, since this has been a very Juventus-heavy episode, let me pitch Juventus for a good week, having won two games, 1-0, which is par for course for them. Um, I think that's uh, they're the only team that got... And actually, I scrapped that and I give Napoli the my good week because they, they had a very convincing win in Europe. And of course, they're flying high and say, yeah, having won every single game. So uh, that's my nomination for good week. I don't know what you think, Kenny. Okay, fair enough. I was personally uh, going to suggest Venezia, actually, myself, picking up their first first home win. But uh, apparently lots of injury worries going into the weekend. So maybe through no fault of their own, that kind of rules them out of the the good week running. Uh, What about bad week then, Boaz? I'm tempted to say uh, Milan, because although they won with an incredible comeback against Verona, it's the second year in a row where they go 2-0 down to Verona. And as I said earlier, the performance in both the midweek and the, the weekend game were not great. There, there seemed to be some things that weren't ticking. Um, I'm happy to hear other suggestions, though. Of, I, of course, I, I wouldn't mind if Milan didn't get it. 
could I throw Roma into the into the ring Ooh. in the same way that Mourinho threw Roma under the bus? I forgot about uh, <laughs> us. We only spoke about it a, a few minutes ago, but I, I can't believe that this result happened. And I guess I, I deleted it out of my mind, but it has to be yeah. Roma, actually. It, it does have to be Roma, doesn't it? Come on. That's, yeah. Yeah. Usually, right. we, as Kenny, as Kenny said, usually we have this little discussion a little bit before, and and then it's much easier to uh, to make it seem seamless for you guys. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So now we're moving on to honorables and dishonorables. And uh, Buzz, you're going to start off with uh, Castillejo. Yeah, Castillejo is a much maligned uh, Milan midfielder, and I myself am, have been guilty of uh, throwing the odd uh, digs at him here and there, and. I, I'm. I, let's be honest. He's not the greatest player that's ever lived, but he does work his socks off. And uh, he came on at halftime in the Verona game, and honestly, it it felt like a bit of a hail mary because what's this guy going to do? He's not even in the Champions League squad, but uh, he was heavily involved in the the in the own goal that ultimately won the game, and he also won the penalty that uh, equalized the game. So uh, kudos to him, and also it, it was kind of sweet to see him burst into tears at the end of the game. He'd been heavily abused by fans on social media during the summer, and mm. apparently his family are off in Spain, so he's a little bit lonely. And uh, yeah. Milan is still apparently going to sell him as soon as possible, but it was nice to see the, the the Castilejo, the human, as opposed to Castilejo, the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, a hard time for him, so yeah. He's very well-dressed. He's very well-dressed. <laughs> there is that. Right, I'm going to give an honorable to Demiral for... Uh, in the first half of the Atalanta, or, sorry, Man United Atalanta game, when uh, Atalanta were two 0 up, and it looked for all the world like uh, Marcus Rashford was going to pull Man United back into it in the first half, clean through on goal. Demiral, as I mentioned, had been clinging his hamstring throughout the the first half, uh, racing back in a last ditch tackle to prevent the goal but then that the honorable itself is actually for the way he celebrated it and obviously Demiral has spent a, a bit of time at Juventus and uh, I, I'm just wondering if he learned that off of a, a certain Mr Chiellini because it was very 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 reminiscent so honorable for for Demiral for that for me uh, Boaz you've got an honorable for referee Giovanni Mullin and the authorities yes it's a uh, honorable not this is a uh... This a is dishonorable, a, hu- sorry. a huge dishonorable for um, this story that came out of Serie D uh, uh, like, uh, just under a week ago where apparently s- someone from the stands shouted a racist uh, comment to one of the players from uh, San Michele Salsa who were playing away at Cisonese. And um, as a result of this, one of uh, the teammates of, of one of the guys who was insulted sh- shouted that, at the guy in the stands that he was ignorant and was subsequently sent off for insulting a fan, uh, at which point the captain of the team, uh, Miki Sansoni, uh, decided to take the whole team off the pitch. And so he was also subsequently sent off. And uh, of course, um, well, I say of course with slight irony, San Michele Salsa ended up losing the game uh, 3-0, and uh, Chisonese and the fan have, will have no repercussions, whereas uh, San Michele Salsa, who ultimately were, their player was racially abused, have to play the next game without their captain and also have this uh, this terrible story to tell let's face it he said he was ignorant it's not like he he, he, he didn't even he could have gone much lower considering how horrible the, the original comment was 
but this is where yeah. Italy is and the fact that I, I, I suppose the referee has to stand by some sort of rule and you're not allowed to insult the public but then for the actual authorities to back this up and give yeah. the three point uh, win is just it, it fortifies the racists and it, it shows that once more yeah. that Italy is in some areas is really not uh, up to standards yeah sends all the all the wrong messages and the fact that they forfeited the game as well just kind of adds salt into the the wounds and this is not actually in our sheet but i guess this is a good chance to give a, also give a dishonorable for uh, the lazio fan who was visibly seen um making monkey noises at uh, at uh, dumfries in the lazio inter game and i mean this this is a game that's being broadcasted all over the world it's a, it's one of the big italian games and to see, I mean, I, I, obviously it was a mistake, let's call it, for the camera to pan directly at this guy. But I expect the um, I expect the authorities to find who this man is and to make sure that he's never in the pitch again. Yeah, yeah, you would hope so. It's really depressing this section, Boaz, because I've got dishonorable for uh, Lazio's Spanish eagle trainer, um, who thankfully Lazio have uh, have sacked him uh, following the the incident, but. He went over to the Lazio Ultras with the, with the eagle and threw a fascist salute at them. So I especially liked his justification. I'm I, I'm not a fascist. I'm just right wing. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? What's going on? I know. I know. It's only in Italy would that justification work. Yeah. Let's move away from this depressing talk, boys. Please, Mihailovic. please. You've got you've got uh, an honourable for Mihailovic, or is it a dishonourable? I don't know, but I I know that it's slightly more light hearted. <laughs> It's definitely an honorable for me. I mean, I think I've given Mihalovic uh, honorables in the past for the his the things he says in his press conference. He's the kind of guy who uh, is always up for a, a quick quote and something funny. But uh, this week uh, he said that um, he was a little bit upset that Milan would be without Teo Hernandez and the midget, who's uh, Brahim Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we better move on quickly from that. I'm going to give my goals honourable. Uh, and again, I'm sticking by my, my new rule of only giving one goals honourable per episode. And this week it has to go to Insigne for his strike against Leger Warsaw. Um, Napoli struggling to find a breakthrough. And uh, Insigne did it in spectacular fashion with just like the most incredible half volley that you'll ever see. Uh, an absolute rocket and the technique was unbelievable so if you haven't seen that go and go and check it out readily available on the on the internet uh boaz finally you have an honorable for the Ita- the italy stars in uh, the poste italiane advert so uh, for people living in italy and uh, mancini has been ever present particularly since the euro victory he's the the sponsor for he represents quite a few products and uh, he's, I guess he's seen quite a lot on TV and heard on the radio, but he stars in the recent Poste Italiane, which is the Italian post service, the Italian postal service. Uh, he stars in their latest advert and essentially he's building his house. He's, he's being like a manager with his, the architect in his house. He's asking for different formation. It's, it's all quite funny. <laughs> and then um, someone knocks on his door and it's uh, Bonucci, Giorginio and, uh, and Locatelli and... They they have a, a dessert for him and Bonucci looks at uh, the, Mancini opens the door and he smiles and Bonucci looks at Giorgino and is like what have you brought and and Giorgino is like zuppa inglese 
and they, and they all laugh in exaggerated fashion. Zuppa inglese is a, is a dessert in Italy that I don't know why it's called Zuppa inglese. We probably should have Googled it before it's the episode. It's kind of like a trifle type thing. That's what I'm guessing is, uh, so it's English soup. It's English soup. Exactly. It's not, it doesn't sound too appetizing, but it's actually very nice. And, uh, yeah, apparently this is the in joke in Italy right now. And they're forever lulls at, at the expense of, uh, Euro finalists, uh, England. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is a bit cringe, but at the same time... It's very cringe. Uh, yeah, I enjoy anything that celebrates uh, Italy winning that tournament anyway, so I'm happy for that to be an honourable. Uh, right, that is all we've got. Uh, all, that's all for this for this episode. So, yeah, as ever, just want to say thank you to, to all the listeners and remind those of you who don't already to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio. We will speak to you again next week, possibly with Oscar, possibly without. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 